listener. Kick Pump acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Yulukut Wollum clan of the Boon who are part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kick Bump Podcast, your fortnightly DM on all things motherhood. One, two, three, four. Well, hi guys and hi Oscar. Hello, I love to be here. I've never been on a parents podcast before. Welcome, welcome. Although one of my first jobs, I was working for a DVD company called Mum to Mum, where they talked through what to do for a kid, uh, you know, in the first three months, Mm -hmm. pre-pregnancy and stuff. So, like at age twenty-one, I was like, I know what to do in the third trimester. I, and then once I was just handing out nipple cream samples at an event. So, like, I feel like I'm kind You're of well-versed, even though I've got no kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, for anyone who's clicked on this podcast and has seen that it's about pelvic floor and that we've got the <laughs> amazing Rachel fit on um, and then heard Oscar and it's like, where's this going? <laughs> I usually have Mandy, our producer, um, across the desk from me. However, she is unwell, so the lovely Oscar has stepped in. Um, which has been so amazing. So I was like, come and join me on the kick-up <laughs> for the intro because I don't have a toddler tantrum tale myself and we haven't had one uh, sent in. And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, every now and again, if you guys have any really funny toddler tantrum tales where maybe your your little one has cracked it over the most ridiculous thing because they often do, like it could be opening the banana, even though they've asked for a banana, but you shouldn't have opened it. You should have let them do it. I would love to hear them because it's just fun to have a bit of a giggle of a crazy time. And I was speaking to Oscar about this segment and he said that he has just recently been with a toddler that's had a tantrum. Yeah. So my sister, I've got two nephews Mm -hmm. and a niece and they're like, I just love them. And I've got this thing where I... I have to get their approval somehow. Yeah. Like I have to give them absolutely everything. So like if I see them, I give them a toy or whatever it might be. Any, and it just I'm obsessed with them. Yeah. They're obsessed with me. Anyway, we went for dinner the other night and it just reminded me and like my friends who have kids, I constantly just think, how the fuck do you do it? <laughs> no, seriously. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, you, mm. incredible. So uh, Ollie... He, we're, we're going around the table. What do you want for dinner? Mm. He wants calamari. Okay. Wow, that's pretty sophisticated. He? He's probably like, oh, I'm so bad. I'm going to get it wrong. And I'm, age range. Age range. She's easy, sort of like, you know, toddler vibes. So like three to five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he, want, he wants calamari. Yeah, wow. I don't know. You know, it doesn't yeah. sound right. Okay. So, so maybe like two to four. <laughs> <laughs> and he, okay, that's fine. He gets a calamari. And yeah. then um, uh, my sister Grace is like, are you sure you want that? Mm. You know, you sure you want it. And of course, we finally get our meals. Everyone's got pizza. Yeah. He's got calamari. He's looking at the calamari and he's like, what I want. Yeah. Because it doesn't have chips. <laughs> what he wanted was the chips that came yeah. with So yeah. anyway, and then he just starts crying. You could have, even if he loved pizza, you could have probably tried to give him pizza and he'd be like, no, chips. Like, that is what I wanted, <laughs> chips. And because he said calamari, it's like they get upset with themselves for getting it wrong, but then like more upset with you for not reading their mind and knowing exactly what they meant. And it's just, yeah, it's a lot. And I'm trying to get his approval. This is the whole thing. So I go, look, I'm going to, I'm going to get you chips. I'm going to get you the biggest plate of, of chips ever. So we got them. Did he eat them? No. Probably like four. Yeah. Yeah. Did I eat the rest? Yes. yes. 
I love it. And I, I suppose a Harvey update at the moment, I, it's it's a positive one, guys. He's sleeping well. He's in the best mood. He's learning new words every day. I just, it's one of those phases and everyone listening who has a little one will know that they're, they're far and few between, but um, it's one of those phases where everything's going really well and he's just in a good mood most of the time and he's just... Does it He's feel like almost a right mini now. breakthrough? Yeah, it does. Like, oh, You're just like, oh my God, lately is... it's been yeah. it's been great. Anyway, as I mentioned, Rachel Fit, who is a Melbourne-based pelvic floor and continence physio... Oh my gosh, that's a long thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Physiotherapist. Um, I'm so excited to have Rachel on because she's actually someone who I went and saw personally ah. in my postpartum period. And Ashley Mason, who's actually our women's health physio at Kick, she referred me to Rachel after I told Ash of some symptoms that I was having. But I'll, I'll save that for the story yeah. with with Rach. Um, but she she does a lot of amazing work, like helping a lot of women during their childbearing years, and also a lot of athletes as well who suffer from urinary incontinence during exercise. Because she's really passionate about sparking the conversation that allows women to speak openly and seek help about some conditions they might be suffering from. So pelvic floor health is super important and that is what we're going to talk about today. So I'm really excited to speak to Rach. Rach. Hello. I'm so excited to have you. And before we get into pelvic floor check, I would just love to say congratulations on the birth of Izzy. How old is she now? She's three months today, actually. It's gone so fast. Today? Yeah, I know. (laughs) How are you going? Yeah, good. It's been like probably easier than what I thought, I suppose, with just the population that I work with. Mm. I had a pretty realistic idea of what motherhood could look like. Mm. Um, so we've been very, very lucky that she's been a little bit kinder to us. Mm. Yeah. It's so mm. nice. Okay. So do you mind telling the audience kind of what your day-to-day is? What What do you do as a physiotherapist? Yeah. So I suppose I specialize in the pelvic floor space. So pretty much specialize in anything around your pelvis. Mm. Most of the work we do do is pelvic floor dysfunction. So I suppose from a pelvic floor dysfunction perspective, we're looking at mainly the childbearing years is when it kind of comes out for a lot of people. So things like stress incontinence, leakage with exercise, coughing, sneezing, things like that. Um, that's also really common for people that don't have children as well. Um, bladder urgency, where you need to rush to the toilet really quickly, leakage on the way to the toilet, potentially going to the toilet too many times throughout the day, constipation, bowel dysfunction, and then prolapse, um, which is often from a result of childbirth injuries or just giving birth vaginally in terms of just what the pelvic floor actually has to go through through that process. Mm. Um, So a lot of our work does kind of revolve around the childbearing year, but all stages of life people can have pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm. But that's kind of the population group that we work with in most conditions. Uh, Probably the only other biggest one is pelvic pain and sexual dysfunction. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I was going, I would love to talk about my experience with you because I think when I was going through pregnancy, I was trying to learn as much as I could, mm-hmm. I suppose, like most mums would. However, something that I missed was that postpartum period, all of the different things that could happen. And I think I I was well-versed and pretty prepared for postpartum anxiety or depression and the mental side of things and like how isolating it can be. And I, I heard a lot of mum stories about all that side of things. So I feel like I prepared myself for the worst in terms of that, but I didn't really think too much, which is very strange for me as someone who is very into their fitness and um, is very in tune with their body. I didn't really think too much about like the effects 
after birth on the body, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is Absolutely. so weird. That's so common though, because people spend all this time like mm. learning about what their body does from a birth perspective, yeah, but not really about the postnatal. I think there's this maybe perception that like you bounce back, or Just when you see your back. GP at six weeks, that. <laughs> That's your clearance for exercise and that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I would love to chat to you about because that's definitely, that's where my mind was at. You know, I'm going to get this six weeks check clearance and then I'll be able to go back to exercise. It won't be like high impact or anything. I kind of knew I was going to have to ease back into it, but that's all I really knew. And I was really lucky that I was working alongside Ash through my pregnancy as I was having a little bit of trouble towards the end. Um, And so she was helping me with some stuff with my hips and everything. And it was in the postpartum period where she was checking in on me and seeing how I was going. And I started to express some of these symptoms that I was feeling. And some of them were um, simply just like feeling really, really heavy, you know, down there. And like, to a level that's pretty normal. I had a vaginal birth and obviously there's a whole lot of pressure that's gone out that way. So I, I was kind of thinking this this is pretty normal. However, to the point that I was experiencing it and the amount that I was having to kind of lie down and not be vertical for a certain amount of time, that's mm-hmm. when Ash was like, I think it's best that you go see Rach. And mm-hmm. she recommended me to you. And I was, I, I will admit, intimidated at first to go because it's an internal check, which like I'm sure a lot of women have probably told you is like, so it's a, you're a new person and everything. Absolutely. But then at the same time, after giving birth, there's also this like comfortable feeling in which that you've had your legs like up and, you know, <laughs> doctors and nurses have walked in and out of this room where you've been incredibly vulnerable and, you know, legs spread and everything. So it was also like that happened for like a second. And then as soon as I was in your office, I was like, oh, this is going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even the way that you would talk about poo, like it was nothing like, like it was fruit or something yeah, yeah. I was like okay she's very comfortable with the human body um and so I think that's one thing I wanted to say is like if anyone even knew that getting an internal check was a thing but you're intimidated by it please don't be because uh, you guys do it daily Absolutely. <laughs> we've seen many things definitely um and so yeah instantly I felt comfortable but one thing that I learned was that I had and I would love you to tell me the proper thing but from my memory it was a slight bladder prolapse yeah, so I suppose like the, the terminology would be like an anterior vaginal wall prolapse or mm. old terminology would be like a sister seal. So sometimes gynecologists use that, but pretty much like the bladder yeah. falls backwards and pushes the vaginal wall down towards yep. the vaginal entry. Yeah. And it's funny because as soon as you worked that out for me, I was like, that's pretty much exactly what feels like happening, but I I couldn't explain that yeah. <laughs> myself. Yep. And if I hadn't had had that check or I'd kind of ignored the symptoms of feeling heavy and I had got back into exercise, regular exercise. Talk us through what could have happened Mm. because I think that was the point where I was like, this is something that I feel like is such an easy thing to get out there and educate and just talk about if people just know about it that there's parts of it that are irreversible. So it just is, it baffles me that it's not super wide known. Yeah. That's probably the hardest thing with prolapse is it's not really discussed a lot in Mm. pregnancy. And I suppose one of the biggest risk factors for prolapse is a pregnancy and then in particular a vaginal birth. Mm. And so when people have prolapse or prolapse symptoms postpartum, it's really hard hearing that it's irreversible because people weren't educated and well-informed around it prior to consenting to having a vaginal birth. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like, I suppose, talk in the space of vaginal deliveries, like how much information should we be giving people when they're pregnant to make sure that they're making an informed choice about what kind of birth they want. 
But that's like a whole nother kind of like kettle yeah. of fish in itself. Yeah. So I guess from like a prolapse perspective, probably the most common misconception is that it's the muscles that are causing the prolapse and it's a lack of muscular strength which is why you have prolapse, which is kind of false because it's really like an anatomical defect. So when you look at the pelvic floor, there's muscle, connective tissue, blood vessels and nerves. Mm. From a connective tissue point of view, that's the main organ support structure, especially when we're looking at the vaginal walls where the bladder is and the rectum is. Mm. So when you have, say, an anterior vaginal wall prolapse, like the easiest way to explain it is like you've got this connective tissue that's like a fishnet around your bladder Mm. and that's what's helping support it up. If you've got something really heavy in your fishnet over a really prolonged period of time, like pregnancy the fishnet can become a little bit more lax, I suppose, yep. where then it moves more, allowing the organ that it's supporting to move lower down into the vaginal space. And then when you look at a vaginal birth, because the pelvic floor, all of those structures can stretch over 300%, sometimes injury can occur to the tissue itself. So you might get like a little tear in your fishnet somewhere, and then that allows whatever it's supporting to move more as well. So they're the two most common reasons for prolapse. Um, So then in terms of the irreversible injury that can occur, the connective tissue is not something that we're necessarily going to change with doing pelvic floor muscle rehab. So your muscles are there as like a functional support. Mm. So when you have prolapse postpartum, so I suppose common symptoms, either a vaginal lump or bulge, Mm -hmm. like a dislodged tampon sensation, Mm -hmm. a lot of heaviness or a dragging sensation in the vagina, they're probably really kind of, I suppose, red flags yeah. to go and see someone for an internal check just to learn about your anatomy and your body. Just have some clarity around what's going on so that you can make more informed decisions about returning to exercise or everyday things. Um, but in terms of like the injury and I suppose healing, postnatally, you do have a lot of spontaneous healing that just occurs by itself. So that's most significant in the first three months postpartum, but right up to a year, potentially longer. Um, genetics plays probably a massive role in that. Some people just have connective tissue that recoils really well. So Mm. everything will just kind of gradually recoil and stiffen back up to support everything up a little bit higher in the pelvic cavity so Mm. that the organs are no longer sitting down low near the vaginal entry. So you can early on postpartum be diagnosed with say a prolapse. Mm -hmm. But then if you come back at three, four, six or 12 months, sometimes even if you've done nothing, that prolapse may actually resolve by itself. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that we're starting to get a little bit more research on. And there are some treatment options that can help that hopefully progress and heal. Um, But if there's been complications in birth and your tissue or that fishnet actually Mm -hmm. has an injury to it, then that may not happen. And so then if you've got prolapse and your muscles are also weak and so you're lacking some muscular, like functional support for your everyday things, getting back into high impact exercise is a risk factor for prolapse in itself. Mm. But also if you do that too soon is a risk factor for making things worse. So from a prolapse perspective, prolapse is diagnosed when the organ descends to the vaginal entry. So that Mm -hmm. would be classified as stage two straight away. Anything inside the vagina in terms of movement is just called movement and is within normal ranges. But then prolapse can descend past the vaginal Mm. entry and be classified as like a stage three prolapse where it might descend, you know, more than a centimetre. But then the whole organ can actually um, completely fall outside the vagina. And that's usually where like surgical um, options are recommended. But conservative management with pelvic floor muscle training for functional support, managing constipation, not straining on the toilet, avoiding high impact exercise and having more of a rehab plan around getting back to that 
managing sickness, um, coughing and sneezing, all really important to making sure that we can symptomatically improve what you're feeling day to day. When is it like, so everyone hears of this six-week checkup that Mm -hmm. they go and see their GP and get that clearance. When is the, I suppose, the best time for women who might have some of these red flags to come? Because I suppose, especially in like the first two weeks, I feel like everyone who might have had a vaginal birth probably feels Mm. a bit heavy down there. So when is the point that it's like, okay, those flags... Uh, you know, really should um, make you think, okay, t- now's the time to go see someone. Mm, I mean, I guess in the first couple of weeks postpartum, I'd probably say even if you have had a vaginal birth with complications, it'd be abnormal to not feel like you can't go for a short walk yeah. or you have to rest laying down all the time or you feel like you've got pain to sit, move around, mm-hmm. things like that. So if those things are going on really early, even in those first couple of weeks postpartum, would be worth conversation with either a GP or seeing a pelvic floor physio just to understand a little bit more about how you can aid your recovery to maximise spontaneous healing in that early phase. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time people present four to six weeks postpartum. So by that point, most of the postpartum bleeding has settled down and people feel a little bit more comfortable if they've had any kind of pelvic floor injury to have an internal exam done at that point in time. Mm. So that is a great time to come because that's when people are starting to look at increasing their like duration of walks or yeah. returning to exercise, Pilates, things like that. Um, so in those checks, we would do like a full muscular screening and abdominal separation screening as well, and then assess anatomy and actually look for prolapse because that can dictate when people do return to exercise. Mm. Um, some people just aren't in a place in their postnatal journey where they want to present in that time. It's never too late to come and have that assessment done mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's never too late. No. Okay. Yeah. So from like a healing perspective, the earlier you do it and the more the you learn about your anatomy. Yeah probably the more you can help your recovery. But it's never too late to present if you've got these symptoms. Mm. Anytime in life you can present to a pelvic floor physio for an assessment. You don't need a referral or anything and they can fully assess and diagnose whatever it is. Okay, okay. Yeah. But so what would have happened, say, if I hadn't come and seen you Mm -hmm. and I'd ignored those symptoms and I'd well, I mean, I, I, I followed our, our postpartum program anyway, so I was kind of easing back into it. But mm. just say I had gone and gone for a run or done some more high-intensity stuff, you can make prolapse worse? You can, yeah. yeah. So okay. I suppose from a risk factor perspective, there are a couple of things we can look at from an anatomical perspective mm. when we do assessments that can maybe predict your risk of it getting worse. Mm -hmm. So some of those things will be like the vaginal length opening. So we can measure that when you're like pushing down on your pelvic floor and that's a risk factor. Any injury to the deeper layer of the pelvic floor that wouldn't have been identified at birth is also a risk factor, but we don't know those things until we assess. Mm. But say, for instance, you, when you return to exercise, you did it really gradually anyway, but if you had just gone straight back into Mm. high impact exercise and ignored those symptoms, it's probably a pretty good chance you would have increased the symptoms that you felt and would feel pretty heavy after doing a run or a high impact workout mm. and just felt like you were never able to progress your exercise without those symptoms. Yeah, Potentially at some point they could have just gone away by themselves. Mm. 
but you definitely, yeah, can make it worse, but also making your symptoms with what you feel day to day significantly worse, even if the anatomy is unnecessarily changing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, okay. And I guess the other thing to consider as well is that we know from a hormonal perspective, returning to things like running, jumping, anything high impact, if you do that before 12 weeks postpartum, so at the moment it doesn't matter what birth you've had, mm. um, if you return before 12 weeks postpartum, hormonally you are at risk of developing new pelvic floor dysfunction. So you might not have prolapse, yeah. but if you get back to things too quickly, you can actually develop that because you're putting too much stress on your pelvic floor when everything's trying to recoil and stiffen back mm. up. Um, and breastfeeding would be a risk factor for that as well. So particularly when breastfeeding, even higher risk of developing new pelvic floor dysfunction in the first three months. Because of the hormones? Yeah. That's so The lack of estrogen to the pelvic floor makes the vaginal tissue really thin and fragile less blood supply to it. So you're like in a menopausal phase when you're breastfeeding, particularly if you don't have your period. That's crazy. Yeah. I did not know that. Because when you were talking about coming, I think I came and saw you around that four-week mark maybe. Yeah, it was pretty. It was when you were kind of hoping to start doing a little bit more exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I remember the six-week thing was coming up and I think it was just after six weeks that because um, I came in for a couple of checks. Mm. You were like, okay, so this has been working. <laughs> um, I would love you to talk through basically w- some of the things that you were getting me to to do. It's one of those things, I think, physio, and I'm sure this is going to annoy the hell out of you as a physio to hear, but they're those things where like sometimes you get lazy and you feel like you can't you just like, you might, maybe you had an injury or whatever and you have to take it seriously. It's like, you're actually not going to be able to get back to where you were if you don't take these things seriously. Right. But in the moments you just like, they feel so like minor that you're like, surely this isn't doing anything. Absolutely. That's where my mind was at. However, I didn't have a choice because of what we do for a Mm -hmm. living. Right. I was like, I need to be able to get back into exercise. I think a couple of months ahead, we had like a a full shoot where I was going to be doing mass classes. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to prepare, um, to be able to ease back into this and be ready for that shoot. So I definitely had that, I think, helping me get it done. But I think it was also a really good, it was a really good process for me because it actually helped and it actually made a difference. <laughs> and when I felt different and, you know, you were doing the checks and you're like, yeah, it's definitely like it's improved. I was like, oh my God. So those little things, <laughs> those little things actually work. So I'd love for you to touch on some of those things because I think that's the thing is it's like, you might be intimidated to get the check because it's almost like you don't want to be told that you have to go on this like crazy regimen to I don't know but it's really not that hard yeah you know I think it's just like it's fitting it into the routine isn't yeah. it trying to make it like a habit and mm-hmm. um I remember with like your case like pelvic floor muscle wise we were doing some strengthening mm-hmm. so the way that a lot of physios are prescribing pelvic floor exercises if you are working on strength is exactly the same as like other parts of your body like yeah. you wouldn't go to the gym for like your biceps and train that every day or multiple times a day yeah. on the one muscle group. So the pelvic floor, very similar. It's skeletal muscle, same principles apply to the rest of the body itself. So three times a week, I think our program would have been like five to 10 minutes, including its rest breaks. Yeah. Seems like a lot to do at the time, but you just got to try and like put the effort into mm-hmm. it. I'm really big on making sure that you do your exercises when you can fully concentrate on it as well so that you do work hard. Mm. But I think if like someone was struggling to do their pelvic floor exercise or feels like they don't have time for it, you have to have that conversation with your 
treating healthcare practitioner because whatever we're giving you, it's only going to work if you're compliant Yeah, what we do. And it worked yeah. really well for you because you just were like, I need to do this. So <laughs> you did see improvements quite quickly. Like yeah. if you're not as compliant with your program, it either just takes longer or the yeah. program just has to be changed completely because whatever we've prescribed, if it's not done that way, mm. the program just isn't effective. Mm-hmm. And then like a lot of it's education and lifestyle changes yeah. as well. Like we got you to do a bladder diary for some bladder yes. concerns that you had too and identified a few things about running to the toilet or, you know, doing, um, I think it was washing the dishes was like a trigger for you to like rush to the toilet or something. So we had to like do some behavioral retraining. And some of those things can just come from like pregnancy. Like you go to the toilet so often in pregnancy that you just develop this behavior of quickly rushing there all the time. We just had to untrain a little bit of that. And it doesn't take long when you like put your mind to it, but it's just postnatal can be like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I think what I had in my mind every time I was about to sneeze or cough or laugh was your voice being like, like, like tighten your pelvic pelvic floor, (laughs) bring the tissue up or something. Okay. And then I'd sneeze. But it's like, if I didn't know, I didn't know. And before I saw you, I was like literally weeing if I sneezed. I mean, no, no idea. Yeah. And that was like, that was one of our concerns. I think if you're going back to high impact exercise, like we need your pelvic floor to get stronger, to like cope with that load so that that doesn't happen when you like start doing your high impact exercise. Sorry guys, I'm just weed. Yeah. But we got there and you don't have it anymore, right? It's great. It's great. Um, Before we finish up, I would love to, I think the thing is, obviously we've spoken a lot about pregnancy and postpartum, but like pelvic floor work is really quite important to everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Um, So I know everyone's really different with what they need to do, but is there a basic pelvic floor one minute routine you can run us through right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm literally sitting here and I started to do like some time. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait and maybe yeah. we can be, we can run through one together. Is that yeah, okay? Good idea. Yeah. So I guess like probably the easiest thing that everyone could do is just like technique work where yeah. you contract and relax and just trying to like identify the muscles. So there could be like a lot of people listening that have overactive pelvic floors mm. and that's where you can contract but not fully relax. Mm. And so if that is you, Then if you were to do like holds with your pelvic floor where you might, you know, contract and hold for 10 seconds and try and relax, as soon as you start doing all those holds, your relaxation would just go backwards and potentially make your overactive pelvic floor Mm. worse. And the overactive pelvic floor can present as like a weak pelvic floor because people come in and be like, I have leakage with sneezing or whatever it may be, but it's actually that your pelvic floor is too tight and not relaxing properly (laughs) and that's why you're getting it. So a lot of people have to work on relaxation. So maybe if everyone listening just like can sit down if possible, Mm -hmm. you end up having the chair as like a bit of feedback. Mm -hmm. So you should feel almost your perineal body or the vaginal entry or near your anus, depending on the angle you're sitting, a little bit of pressure on it from Mm -hmm. the chair. Mm -hmm. So now if you imagine just squeezing your anus, that's Mm -hmm. probably the easiest cue for most people. If you squeeze your anus, you should feel like a tightening or an Mm indrawing. And then if you just think about opening it back to the chair, Mm -hmm. you should feel a relaxation. So if you squeeze the anus to contract... And then like a flower opening back to the chair to relax. You should hopefully feel like even movement. So maybe let's do five of them in a row. Okay. So just breathe normally to start with. Everyone squeeze your anus, pause there and relax back to the chair. We'll do two more like that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll incorporate a breath pattern for people that might be struggling. So squeeze the anus again and relax back to the chair. Oscar, I hope you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Boys have a pelvic floor too. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> squeeze the anus again and relax back to the chair. 
Now with the breath pattern, what we'll do is to help people either contract or relax, we'll incorporate like a Pilates style breath pattern where we exhale on effort and inhale on the relaxation. Hang on, the, sorry, am I able am now I able I can my hear. anus go? Yeah. 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 Don't okay, hold the whole time. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry I <laughs> <laughs> um, so with the breath pattern, we'll yep. inhale, prepare, exhale, contract, inhale, relax. Okay. So when you're ready, breathe in, breathe out, squeeze the anus, <laughs> and breathe in, open back up to the chair. <sighs> Most of the time, it's like the opposite of what you actually want to do. We'll do one more. Yeah, breathe. that feels weird. Yeah, breathe in to prepare, breathe out, squeeze the anus, breathe in, relax it back down. <laughs> Oh, that feels How'd backwards. <laughs> that feels backwards. It feels harder. It was yeah. harder when I was trying to concentrate on the on the breath. Yes, yeah, so I the think pump. I need to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Delay it. <laughs> um, so the pelvic floor is like a pelvic diaphragm. Yeah. So whatever your diaphragm does, your pelvic floor will mimic its movement. So yeah. I mean, with most exercise, we exhale on the effort, right? So yeah. same with the pelvic floor. So it can be helpful, or some people might struggle with the coordination. But yeah, it's so good, and it's like it's one of those things that when I th- I always think about it when I'm driving. Mm. That's so weird, but I'm like, oh. Just I think it's like squeezes. a common thing, like do it at the traffic lights yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've, yeah, I've also heard when you're waiting in the queue for to shopping, like yeah. that's when do you can do then. it. Yeah. <laughs> Depends what you're working on. Yeah. If you're working on strength, you really need to concentrate on it. <laughs> <laughs> Rach, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, I suppose like to everyone who might be coming up to the end of their pregnancy or even anyone that's just heard some of these symptoms and feel like regardless of whether you've had a baby or not that you want to get a check like absolutely do it um there's no shame zero shame in it you will not regret it and it is it's really sometimes obviously if there's something more serious then even more so you should go see someone but it's really quite easy the process afterwards to work through it and you do like I can tell you you do see results and you feel results and it's like you just have to, you have to it's do it. Right. Yeah. You're and I think like it. if you've got concerns, like don't just like put up with it and deal no. with it. Like know that there's like help there and it might be just something really simple that we need to do to help you feel better. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. But thank you for sharing your experience as well. I think it'll be really inspiring people hearing your experience as well, because you do so much exercise. That's people's like biggest concern around prolapse is that they can't exercise. Mm-hmm. But you can. You can. Yeah. You can. You're proof. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Because I can because of you. So <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you would like to get involved with the Kick Pod or Kick Bump Pod, you can by going to our Instagram at Kick Pod and sending us a voice note or writing in a DNM. And if you would like to join a bit of a virtual mothers group, we like to call it, our Kick Bump Facebook community is for you. There is so much in there, encouragements of finding your journey again after having a baby or questions during pregnancy. It's a virtual mother's group of love and support and you are so welcome. So you can find us there. If you would like to learn more about Kick, you can go to our website, kickapp.com, or you can find us on the Apple Store and Google Play Store where we have a seven-day free trial. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in your ears very soon. Bye.